You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by UFM Underwear. Head to UFMunderwear.com and use promo code BREAKDOWN for $5 off your purchase. UFM Underwear, support your manhood. Gators Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. And the big game is finally here, the top 10 matchup versus the Auburn Tigers. And joining me on this episode to preview the top 10 matchup between Florida and Auburn is Philip Jordan of Last Word on College Football, where he covers the Auburn Tigers, also of the Talking SEC podcast and 96.9 The Legend out of Dothan, Alabama. Before we get there, remember you can find Gators Breakdown at news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes there. Also, catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. When using those services, please share, rate, and review the show. Go leave us a rating on uh, iTunes. It really helps us out a lot. Gets the, gets the word out there to Gator Nation what Gators Breakdown is all about. And on social media, follow Gators Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. And don't forget, every week, a News 4 Jacks exclusive Talking with Troop, where former Gators tight end Ben Troop joins me once a week this season over at News 4 Jacks and gives his thoughts on the Gators like only Ben can. Of course, he'll bring it this week, talking this big matchup versus Auburn, so uh, you don't want to miss Ben and his thoughts there. He brings it every time, and that's exclusively on News4Jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. Philip Jordan? Of last word on college football, the Talking SEC podcast, and 96.9 The Legend out of Dothan, Alabama, joins us this week on Gators Breakdown to preview the Auburn Tigers. Phil, this is a big one, man. The top 10 matchup in front and center of the college football world. Oh, man, absolutely. I've been looking forward to this, this game, Auburn at Florida, because I tell you, when you look at the recent history of these two teams, I mean, they don't play often anymore. It's very rare. We get to see an Auburn-Florida matchup in the S- in SEC football, but when they do, it just seems like the last couple of times has been pretty memorable when these two get together. Absolutely. I mean, we can go back, you know, with our age, we go back to, you know, mid-90s and Terry Bowden upsetting Florida in back-to-back years, 93, 94. Uh, go and, uh, of course, you know, for Florida fans, it stings a little bit. This was our only loss in 2006 on our way to a national championship. You give Tebow his first loss in, two, in his Heisman year of 2007. I uh, was going over with Will Miles earlier uh, in, in kind of uh, one of our, you know, previewing the game a little bit in, in a previous episode here. And it says, man, when, when, when Auburn beats Florida, those losses sting. Yeah, and I guess for me, I'm a little bit maybe 
I don't remember much of the, like, you know, the, the next to Sanders, you know, the early 90s ones, you know, the one in the swamp, you know, like you just mentioned, like Terry Bowden when he was there at Auburn. But, you know, for me, my Auburn history kind of starts around 96, 97, toward the end of the Terry Bowden uh, era there at Auburn. But so for me, the one that sticks out is 2001. You know, Florida's number one. I mean, they were blowing everybody out. I mean, yep. the, the, there was everybody was wondering, is this the greatest college football team of all time with Florida? Rich Grossman, Jabbar Gaffney, Rache Caldwell, all them guys. Steve Spurrier's final year, they're at Florida. And I remember that game clearly. I mean, nobody gave Auburn a chance. And they hosted number one Florida. And Jason Campbell, I mean, way back, this was when he was a true freshman quarterback or redshirt freshman. You know, he was a freshman. Inexperienced, Cadillac Ronnie Brown, they were freshmen. So for Auburn to make that upset, which Grossman helped out that day with, I think, four interceptions against Auburn. Uh, it was it was a classic game, of course. The wind was howling, I think, 30-mile-an-hour winds, and Damon Duvall hitting that big field goal at the end to beat Florida. So, for me, that's one that really sticks out to me. And, of course, you talk about the ones, you know, the Tim Tebow ones, you know, 06 and 07 games. And I don't think we need to mention the last time they played in 2011, yeah. Muschamp <laughs> versus Chiswick. I remember that. I remember my first thing saying, I just wasted three and a half hours watching that mess because I, I as an Auburn guy, even though they won the game, I was not even happy with that because how ugly that game was between those two teams. There were a lot of those games under Will Muschamp that we tend to forget, even though they were wins. <laughs> you know, uh, the oh, way yeah. this game the game turned out, uh, it was a lot like that game uh, on the other end for the Gators too. So it, you know, Philip, this you know for old school Gator fans, this is you know this this, this is still a rivalry to them. They grew up, uh, or you know, while they were going to games throughout years uh, in the swamp, you know, Auburn was uh, a yearly occurrence, a yearly rivalry, mm-hmm. you know, only behind Georgia uh, in the SEC. With, uh, and it's the closest campus for Florida uh, in the, in the conference, uh, you know, from, from Gainesville to, to, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, to, to Auburn, you know, it's not, it's not that far. It's the closest campus in conference for the Gators. And these teams don't play anymore. Uh, the older fans and, and fans like me who grew up in the nineties and, and watched how close and competitive these games were. We wish they played more Dan Mullen has mentioned it, uh, uh, as well that he wished the SEC would kind of come around or maybe even play in more conference games or figure out a way uh, teams from opposite divisions can play more. Uh, how are Auburn fans uh, looking at this game, of course, now that now that it's here? Of course, being a top 10 game helps, and it's a, a road game for Auburn. But it's, like I said, the, the old school Gator fans love this game. Yeah, you know, I think Auburn fans are, are excited about it right now as well. And, and just a, a few I have talked to thus far – uh, the sensible Auburn fans, not the the, the crazy ones. Uh, the sensible Auburn fan is they're very confident coming into this game, thinking you know Auburn has a good shot at winning this. You know, goes you know get to six and zero going into their first uh, bye week of the season. But I think all, a lot of Auburn fans are also kind of saying, but let's just not get too confident. Hope the team doesn't start reading their press clippings, getting excited about what they're able to they have done so far this season. Fantastic resume through five games. You know, just keep going, moving along, and hopefully, you know, the, the players don't get too big of a head. But, you know, I, but you know, kind of circle back, I think just confidence. Auburn fans are feel a lot more confident about this game because I'll be honest with you, when the season started, I looked at Auburn's schedule. I said Auburn's probably looking at 7-5 and five this season because the Oregon game, A&M was going to be dawning, in my opinion, going to Gainesville, Baton Rouge, playing Alabama and Georgia, despite those two being at home because you were going to have a freshman quarterback either way with a Gatewood or Bo Nick. So now seeing what Auburn has done, I feel like I have more confidence in this team as well 
but it's also a tricky situation because you don't want to be too confident, too high if you're the Auburn team and maybe start looking past Florida because you absolutely should not do that. Philip, it's funny. I think you had me on your podcast the week after SEC Media Day, and you know you made me, you made me explain why I had Auburn third in the West and how I how I liked them better than I did Texas A and M. Uh, and you know, part of it was that, you know I, I figured Gus Malzahn would figure something out on, on offense, and this defensive front, of course, uh, has stepped up to the plate. Uh, take us through Auburn season so far. You know, this is a resume so far that that many are calling the best in the country. Maybe some feel maybe they shouldn't have won the the Oregon game to come out of there. Uh, but you know, since that game, they've kind of gotten better week by week, and then you know, the last two weeks you went to. I uh, went to College Station, beat Texas A&M, and then just put it on Mississippi State. Yeah, this season, you know, and you talk about the open game that's Oregon, that was that's kind of – the whole every week is when you look at Bo Nix and the Auburn team as, as a whole, it's kind of the same story, getting better each week. And that Oregon game, Auburn showed signs in the first half offensively being able to move the ball, but I, I feel like a couple times in that first half especially, the game was too big, too fast for Bo Nix and, you know, but when it came down to crunch time, he made the plays he had to make for Auburn to win. The fourth down scramble to get the first down to keep the drive going. I mean, everybody talks about the Seth Williams catching that game. For me, it was that fourth and three. He died for the first down because, you know, without that, Seth Williams' play doesn't happen. You know, you, then you go into the next game against Tulane. They really did not play well. I mean, they looked bad offensively. And then, you know, the Kent State game, it looked a little bit better with him, with Bo Nix. And then, like you said, A&M. He played a lot better there, very poised. But coming out of that game, though, it felt like the criticism and the worry for Auburn, you know, and Bo Nix and this team, they were missing the deep passes. You know, they in something that a lot of Auburn fans got aggravated with last season with Jarrett Stidham. Receivers would be open down the field. He would overthrow them and miss them. And then, like you said, Mississippi State last week, it just came together where it finally looked like, okay, Auburn is moving in the right direction here. And I'm going to tell you what. And no one is ever going to vote me as the president of the Gus Malzahn fan club. Yeah. Uh, I, I have been gotten slack before for my criticism of Gus Malzahn. But I will say this about Gus. When he gets in a groove calling plays, and what way he is doing right now, he did this in 2013 and back in 2010 when he was the office coordinator for Gene Chizik and they won national title. When he gets in a groove calling plays, Auburn really gets rolling and they're hard to stop. But, you know, it's also one of the things I think you kind of got to wonder, maybe you're Auburn fan, how, are they peaking too early at the same time? Well, of course, you know, Gator fans are all too familiar with, with Joey Gatewood, of course, and his commitment uh, to, to Auburn back in the day. Uh, and you know, his recruitment, you know, Florida was interested. He's just from down the road uh, here in Jacksonville where I'm from. You know, I got to know him and, and cover him uh, in his high school football as an incoming uh, this year uh, with quarterback battle with Bo Nix. You know, this Bo Nix who's you know, won the job. He's come on the scene as a, as a true freshman quarterback. You know, you kind of mentioned not necessarily the best stats uh, when you're looking at it, but coming off of his best performance of the season at Miss, uh, versus Mississippi State. And while the stats aren't there, you know, you, like you said, he's made the plays when needed. Yeah, you know, one thing when I was looking at some numbers uh, from him for the first five games, I was looking at it on Sunday. And something that really stuck out to me, okay, the last three games, here's how many pass attempts he has against Kent State 16, A&M 20, Mississippi State 21. In those games, 12 of 16, 12 of 20, 16 of 21. So that, that's, you know, keeping his attempts down. And those first two games against Oregon and Tulane, he threw 31 and 37 pass attempts. Mm. You know, for a true freshman, that's, that's a lot of passes to be, you know, to put on him. 
you know, 13 for 31 against Oregon, 19 of 37 against Tulane. So that, that's a big reason those first two games, why his completion percentage is down right now. I mean, right now he's at 58%, you know, but you would look at the, you know, I don't have the actual percentage in front of me, but when you look at these last couple of games, much higher, you know, better, you know, decisions passing and Auburn has been able to get the running game going as well. Because I also say this about those first two games where he threw over 30 times. The offensive line was not playing well the first couple of games of the season. And that was an issue last year as well. We're not protecting Jarrett Stidham. And Auburn didn't have a 1,000-yard rusher last season either. First time in a long time, Auburn has not had a guy go over 1,000 yards a season. I believe the last time was 2008, Tommy Toberville's last year there at Auburn. So the offensive line was having issues. That, you know, And I talk about improving. That's another thing for Auburn that has improved is that offensive line, especially in, in run blocking. Whitlow is now getting holes to go through. Uh, is opening things up for him. He's having some big games for Auburn. And then on the the jet sweep, Auburn likes to run, you know, mostly with Anthony Swartz, but sometimes with Eli Stove. Cam Martin gets in there, showers as well. So the offensive line has been key, too, for Auburn getting better each week. And now that they've been able to run the ball, that's really taking a lot of pressure off Bo Nix as well. Yeah, that's definitely where I was going next. Uh, Philip, we know Malzahn's offense works best uh, when that run game's working and, mm-hmm. and working so far uh, this year. And like you said, probably too many pass attempts uh, in those first two weeks. And, I mean, we know Gus, Gus's offense works when that run game going, going back to, you know, when they were competing for the national championship, uh, the year where they go to, you know, eventually lose to, to, to Florida state, but Nick Marshall's there and, and running Gus's offense to, you know, some of the, the best we've seen it there and, you know, power run game, misdirection run game. You got that with Booby Whitlow or, and, and or the sweeps with Anthony Schwartz so far and, and his return. Um, I think Gus has this run game where he wants it. How big was the return of Schwartz to maybe open up this offense? Oh, it was huge. And, you know, the fact is, I mean, he can take it, you know, to the house at any moment. And especially, you know, I think he has most of his touchdowns he has scored in his two years at Auburn have actually been rushing, not receiving. And so for him, that's big. And when Auburn's offense has always worked, it's been with that jet sweep play. And maybe last year, Schwartz wasn't quite ready, you know, still a freshman you know, to run that play, or Gus didn't have the confidence in him there. And then Eli Stove was hurt all last year because in 2017, when Auburn went to the SEC championship game, Eli Stove was in that role a lot in the jet sweeps off the wildcat plays with, you know, when they take the quarterback out and then just a regular jet sweep play on his own. So he was a playmaker. He could take it to the house at any moment. So without him there last year, the lack of experience with sports, like I said, maybe Gus Malzahn was not confident with him yet in that role. That was a big part of offense that went away. And then you talk about Auburn relying on the running game, and something that has aggravated Auburn fans for the last couple seasons is the fact that Gus has been bringing in pocket passers, pro-style quarterbacks. You know, you talked about Nick Marshall. You know, before this year, that was really the last time you really saw Auburn's offense look like the way Gus, you know, envisions it you know, how it's supposed to run. Because, you know, you look at Jarrett Stidham last year. He, I mean, he's a pocket passer. I look at Jarrett Stidham and Bo Nix as this. I think they're actually the same quarterback passing. I, I think Jarrett Stidham is one of the best throwers of the football you're going to see. But he doesn't like to run. I don't think he can't run. I just don't think he likes it. It's not his comfort. Then he has Sean White before that. And Sean White's one of the toughest kids you're going to see play the quarterback position. I hated it went the way it went with him, with his exit from Auburn two seasons ago. But another thing with him, he could run, and he was effective at times. But, you know, he just was so undersized to play in the SEC. 
he struggled with that and he got hurt a lot and that was a problem and then you go back to Jer- jeremy johnson which any auburn fans that are listening to this probably just cussed at me for saying that name <laughs> to about the auburn program but he was a pocket passer too not really a runner so it's been a while since you've seen auburn with a quarterback like bo nixon joey gatewood does as well when he comes to the game runs some wildcat runs some you know read plays for auburn as well it's been a while since we've seen the true auburn offense and i also think that also correlates with the fact is that gus malzahn back to calm plays as well he looks a lot happier a lot more comfortable and he's having more fun too since he's back to being the primary play caller for auburn as well absolutely he does uh philip jordan of last word on college football and the talking sec podcast and out of 96.9 the legend out of dothan alabama joining us here on gators breakdown previewing the auburn tigers uh, florida struggles running the ball philip uh no surprise you know through five games so far Auburn's defense and that defensive line stout at, at stop stopping running uh, the, the the opposing offense there. You know, this doesn't figure to be a game where Florida can line up and run the ball. Uh, and, you know, looking at it, there might be some creativity on the way to help there. But for the most part, you know, it'll be the Florida passing game that needs to get going. Uh, what should we be looking for in the pass defense from the Tigers? You know, and I was thinking about this. You know, with Auburn's defense are really good. Like you said, you mentioned that defensive front, you know, Marlon Davis and Derrick Brown, you know, Nick Coe. The, you know, all them guys, Big Cat Brown. I mean, that's an NFL-quality defensive front. I mean, Marlon Davidson and Derrick Brown could be right now playing in the NFL. They decided to come back. Uh, you know, so Auburn fans very happy about that. That was the best recruiting job they did, I think, to Auburn this past offseason. But I would say if – I think if you want to attack this Auburn defense, the pass is probably the best way to go about it. And the fact is their, their secondary – has veterans, you know, with Jeremiah Denson right. and Daniel Thomas there. So, I mean, they have veterans there. But I, I would say, you know, A&M, when they got back in the game a few weeks ago, it was through the air. I mean, they could not run the ball against Auburn. 56 yards rushing, I believe, in that game. But they threw for over 300 when they had to throw it. You may say, yeah, Auburn was playing back at that point. But still, I, uh, there's been times this season where I've seen where teams can hit the big play against Auburn. Now, court, opposing quarterbacks are only completing 55% of their passes, which I know Trask is at 77% completion percentage this season so far for the Gators. Uh, but teams are getting 200, you know, 225 yards per game through the air against Auburn. And I've also seen something that has hurt Auburn at times are screen passes and the quick passes. Uh, they have issues with that. Down the field stuff, they're pretty okay. But quick passes – and uh, just big play passes have seemed to you know, catch Auburn. And look, Florida's got players that can do that. They've got plenty of uh, great skill position players. The Michael Pirine is one of them out of the backfield. Uh, Van Jefferson at receiver is another one that I think Auburn needs to really pay attention to because they're the type of players that could break one on you. I think you just made some Gator fans excited listening to that because we plan on seeing, you know, because of this Auburn defensive line, a short, quick passing game to get the ball out of Kyle Trask hands. Uh, he's shown the propensity – when he does get hit, he may turn the ball over uh, the last couple of weeks since he's taken over there. Uh, but, you know, we think the plan will be to get the ball out of his hands, get the ball into these playmakers' hands, as you just mentioned. That's one reason I think, you know, Michael P. Ryan is struggling running the ball, but I still think he is a weapon out of the backfield uh, catching the ball. So, you know, I think you may have just made some Gator fans a little happy previewing how Florida can attack this Auburn defense because that's kind of what we see the, 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 the plan of attack uh, versus this Auburn mm-hmm. defense there. But, Philip, you know as, as good as I do, playing in the SEC, at some point, you're going to have to run the ball. And Florida may not have the yards versus Auburn, but at some point, just to keep that defense honest, you're going to have to pop some runs somewhere along the way. And that's where I think Dan Mullen will kind of get creative. 
Yeah, most definitely. You know, maybe just hit them from the outside. You know, I mean, going up the middle against Auburn, you know, is, is a tough proposition with Derrick Brown sitting there. I mean, he's a disruptor. I mean, he is he is probably – I think Auburn has the best defensive line in college football. I know some people, especially coming to the season through Utah out there, look, that's great. That's the Pac-12. I'm an SEC guy. You know, if Auburn has the best defensive line in the SEC, and that's what people are saying, I'm going to trust they are the best in the country because we'll just look at the track record of the Southeast Conference. But, you know, misdirection could probably maybe cause Auburn some issues. Like I said, if you but you can't go at the middle. You're going to have to be, like you said, creative, maybe some trick plays to the outside, some reverses or something like that. And, look, if you hit a couple of those, you get a couple of big gainers on that, then that's going to, you know, spread out the Auburn defense a little bit. And then maybe that does open up the middle of the field where you can run up the middle. Now, Philip, uh, you know, and looking at this game, and you know, we just kind of maybe previewed the way Florida can attack, and we did talk, you know, about what Bo Nix and, and Booby Whitlow and Schwartz and you know, Stove, what those guys can do on offense. But when you're looking at this Florida defense, uh, what, what, uh, you know, what, what worries you about the Florida defense and, and what Auburn brings to the table on offense? If the Auburn receivers can't get open, if and they're in a passing game, I, I kind of worry about that because, and Gus Malzahn talked about that. On Tuesday, you know, he is very impressed with the Florida defensive line. And Florida's got 24 sacks coming into the game and 13 turnovers. And look, we've seen Bo Nix go into a hostile environment at A&M. And to a degree, when they did a neutral site game against Oregon, Florida's going to be different. That's allowed. It's the swamp. It's called that for a reason. And, uh, you know, so he's still a freshman. He's still a true freshman. You know, I think we kind of are forgetting that sometimes now, how well he played last week against Mississippi State. But this Florida defense has created 13 turnovers. And when you are the underdog, and I know it's a slight underdog. I know Auburn you know, came out only as a two-point favorite. But when you are the underdog and you have the ability to create turnovers, and that's not really something Auburn does either. And another thing for, you know, for people to look out for Florida fans, Auburn has been very loose with the football this season. Against Tulane, Booby Whitlow had three fumbles in that game. And last week, Auburn had four fumbles. They lost three of them. Auburn's having a tough time with the fumbles, not really interceptions. Bo Nix has only thrown two this season. That was both in the very first game of the season against Oregon in the second quarter when he was forcing things. But the fumbles, and if, you know, if that is going to rear its ugly head against Florida, that's an opening for Florida to get some big momentum, get that crowd behind them. And I just feel like if Auburn doesn't clean that up, in one of these big games, whether it be against Florida, LSU, Georgia, or Alabama, that's going to come back to cost them if they don't clean that issue up. So fumbles is a big problem I think Auburn has had this season. Uh, Philip, I mean, you don't have to give a, a score prediction or anything like that, but uh, you, we, we've taught some matchups there, uh, you know, and you know, without a score prediction, if you don't really want to, you know, but how, do you, how do you see this game playing out, you know, some uh, – you know, do you think it's a close fourth quarter game? Is it somewhere, you know, somewhere Auburn can can break away from Florida or maybe Florida break away from, from Auburn? You know, I think before the Mississippi State game, I think a lot of people, even outside of these two teams, considered, you know, this might could be a old school slobber knocker SEC type of game. Then this past weekend comes and Auburn's putting up points on Mississippi State, and we see another instance where Florida can't really run the ball, but they, you know, even though it was Towson, uh, you know, Kyle Trask starts fifteen to fifteen, uh, completed eight, eight, ended up eighteen straight uh, passes, go, dating back to the uh, Tennessee game the week before, you know, th- just a couple days uh, before, you know, going into last Saturday, yeah, maybe a slobber knocker. After last Saturday, 
there may be there there may be a way both teams start putting up points in this game more so than I thought. You know, looking at it, you know, looking at this game, I know that, and there's a lot of people now, like you said, what Auburn did, Mississippi, Mississippi State, you know, and you said Florida having issues running the ball. There as well. I think some people are kind of getting a little bit too excited. I know some people are even saying that Auburn deserves to be the number one team in the country. I mean, yes, they had two top wins get top twenty five teams, but I'm I'm not quite ready to say they are the number one team in college football. But I'm I'm saying all that to say this. I don't think this game is going to be a runaway like some people on the Auburn side are thinking it can be. I th- because, you know, Florida, they're at home. They have a really good defensive team. So I think their defense will actually keep this game pretty close for most of the game. I don't think either offense will really break away for most of the game. But I do think the simple fact is that if Florida can't run the ball and they are one-dimensional, I do think that eventually could take a toll on Kyle Trask in the Florida passing game. So, And I'll give you a score prediction. I think Auburn wins this game pretty close for throughout but kind of pulls away toward the end i'm thinking more like a 30 20 31 21 type of game all right philip jordan from the last from last word on college football talking sec podcast and 96.9 the legend out of dothan alabama philip let our listeners know if they want to catch out uh, catch up with you know some with some more uh of your work you know covering auburn at last word on college football and uh, uh give our listeners kind of a preview of what the talking sec podcast is all about yeah, check out Talking SEC. Uh, was once a week, but now I'm trying to branch out, do two or three episodes a week there, which every Monday or Tuesday you can catch the recap edition of the SEC Weekend, where I'm joined by also my teammate at Last Run College Football, Brandon Eisner, where he covers LSU. So we'll break all that down every Monday or Tuesday when that drops. Other guests during the week. And yeah, check out all my work over at Last Run College Football, where I cover the Auburn Tigers. And, um, you know, back on talking SEC, it's just a show. You know, just talking ball. You know, that's just you know whoever's on with me, just back and forth a lot too. But it's you know talking about whatever's going on in the SEC, and I hope everybody will check that out. I hope my my score prediction and prediction of the game did not uh, change anybody's mind about that. But uh, David, I also want to say I appreciate you giving me this time, let me on your podcast. It's fun being on the other side of the conversation with you. You've been on mine plenty of times, so I really uh, I really appreciate you having me on this week. Oh, absolutely, man. When it was Florida Auburn, you know, it was it was set in my mind. I was getting you on <laughs> start talking because oh, you know, not only just Auburn football, but SEC football, college football uh, in general, general as well. You do a good good job of covering the sport we love so much. So when this game was scheduled, uh, you know, a few years ago, and uh, of course as the year uh, started and, and came along, when it was Florida Auburn time, I was get, I was definitely getting you on. Almost ever, I appreciate it, and uh, I'm looking forward to this game. I'm, I'm, I hate that they do not play every year. That was the, you know, one bad thing. It really came out when they made that rule well, after 2002, somewhere in there, when you only had the one permanent rotating team, which of course Auburn and Georgia, that was going to be theirs. Florida was going to be LSU because I, I miss. There's some matchups with the expansion of the SEC. I do miss, you know, as a person that's been following Auburn for as long as I have, because I miss seeing Auburn play Tennessee every year. I miss, you know, they used to play Tennessee more on a regular basis as well. So there's certain matchups I miss, and this is going to be this is going to be a nice throwback this week. So I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, both teams that wear the orange and blue in the SEC go at it this Saturday. Absolutely. All right. That's Philip Jordan of Last Word on College Football, Talking SEC Podcast, and 96.9 The Legend out of Dothan, Alabama. Thank you, Philip. Thank you, Dave. Before we move on, guys, you have got to try UFM Underwear. 
it's hot out there and still hot out there in the beginning of October. So whether you're out there tailgating in Gainesville getting ready for the game or you're out there working in the heat, you need a pair of UFM underwear. Underwear for Men is the only brand of men's underwear that offers both isolation and support, all while keeping you cool. Unlike other pouch underwear brands that have thin mesh panels or pre-sized pouches, Underwear for Men's patented pending design prevents skin-on-skin contact and eliminates chafing. Underwear for Men is a state of Florida company, so you're shopping local when you get a pair of UFM underwear, and they have you covered no matter the activity. Everyday underwear, athletic underwear, work underwear, medical underwear, underwear for men is made for it all. Try your pair now. Head over to UFMunderwear.com. Use promo code BREAKDOWN to get $5 off your UFM underwear. UFM underwear, support your manhood. All right, the, the, the narrative of this game changed a bit when Auburn dismantled Mississippi State last week, so it's important, I think, not to overreact to that one game. Now, don't get me wrong, Auburn played great that game, deserves all the credit in the world for putting it on Mississippi State, but are we really supposed to believe they fixed all their previous offensive issues just because of one game? Uh, against Mississippi State, Bo Nix averaged 16 yards per pass in his 335-yard two-touchdown day. Yes, you expect him to get better every game as a true freshman. Every game he plays is going to get better. Yes, Anthony Schwartz, you know, his return opens up this offense a bit more. We've seen that the last couple of weeks. But, you know, this was still an offense that was really struggling passing the ball before last week. And even with that performance versus Mississippi State, the Auburn passing offense is still ranked 100th in college football right now at 203 yards per game. So I have a hard time believing they just figured everything out because of the success versus Mississippi State. Now, take it for what it's worth to you, but Mullen versus Auburn the last two times hasn't been too pretty. Uh, in 2016, a 38-14 loss, and in 2017, Mullen's last year at Mississippi State, it wasn't good either. A 49-10 loss to Auburn. That was Grantham's first and only season uh, as defensive coordinator for Mississippi State. So, you know, all you can really glean from that is maybe a, a schematic advantage in what Gus and uh, what Gus Malzahn and defensive coordinator Kevin Steele bring to the table versus Mullen uh, and Grantham. But so much is different from those games as far as talent on the field goes. Uh, but I still think it's worth noting the recent history between mostly the same staffs here. So... With Auburn, you know, here's a team that their style travels well. Uh, a team that wants to run the ball uh, with a strong defensive line on the other side of the ball. Those aspects of a team usually travel and play well on the road. But with all the crowd noise that we expect in the Swamp this week, a young quarterback in Knicks, and an offense that uses a lot of motion. So hopefully, you know, the timing of the snaps can be thrown off a bit, uh, a few times uh, to, to get to Auburn in this offense. You know, I want to start here with the, the preview with Florida's defense and, and with the help of the crowd. Uh, they can match up well with Auburn and what Auburn brings to the table. Uh, the return of Zaniga, Henderson, Miller, Sean Davis uh, are key in helping contain and, and, help, and help tackling as well. Two of the biggest issues when playing Auburn. Uh, so uh, the Gators have to contain Knicks early, not let him convert third downs with his legs. Auburn has only given up six sacks so far in the season, and you have to believe some of that is Nick's helping himself by escaping pressure. Keep him in the pocket. Make him beat you with his arm. But that's you know, that's not the only containment worry Florida has when playing Auburn. They'll test the edges in the run game. 
they'll test the outside with sweeps with with Schwartz and Stove and uh, the Gators defensive ends are going to have to play sound assignment football. If Auburn gets that outside run game working, it's going to be tough to hold that offense down. With all that said, you know, by, by, by running side to side, that's going to open up the middle of the defense and force Florida to have to tackle well. There's going to be plenty of chances for this defensive line. So Schuler, Slayton, Dunlap, Campbell, Ankrum, those guys will have to be ready. The Florida linebackers, these safeties that you know that may be in the box when, and there's these one-on-one tackle situations that are going to be there. This is where I think the return to Ventro Miller and Sean Davis are key, especially Miller. You know, if he's not 100%, Hopefully he's still not favoring that shoulder and can play aggressive in, in making tackle. But once Auburn starts spreading you out, it is imperative for the middle of the defense to stay in their gaps and make their tackles. So the guys I mentioned, along with Amari Bernie and David Reese, better bring their lunch pail because it's going to be a physical game. And chances are, there are going to be chances you have to make one-on-one tackles going against this Auburn offense. And also, you know, Trey Dean, uh, in talking with the media this week, he really hit home the fact that with all the Auburn's pre-snap motions and movement and, and the sweeps and the misdirections that, you know, it's important for the Gators to really do their homework this week and study what Auburn and, and study Auburn and what they like to do. Read your keys on the field. Don't get caught up in the window dressing. And that's easier said than done. We've all watched Auburn for years uh, under Gals, Gus Malzahn. And you, know, you can see that it's being stressed to these players this week. Auburn was able to hit on some big plays down the field last week. So with the secondary finally being a group that could consist of Wilson, Henderson, Stewart, Davis, Steen, Steiner, that's a group you have to feel pretty good about not letting big plays happen over the top and behind them. You know, you still got to tackle well, got to break down the plays in front of you, but the big plays, you know, that, that group there doesn't really let big plays happen behind them. So Florida's got to keep that up with those guys on the field. On offense, we know Mullen's going to have his work cut out for him. Uh, as mentioned earlier, Mullen hasn't had great success recently uh, versus a Kevin Steele-Auburn defense, but you know, this isn't an offense limited to mostly running the ball with Nick Fitzgerald uh, back in you know, Dan Mullen's time and the last couple of times he played Auburn. And we know Florida's offense is, is now more of a passing threat than compared to running the ball. This is a, the first big-time opponent where we get to see just how open this Florida offense can be with quarterback Kyle Trask that's hitting nearly 80% of his passes uh, to a deep and talented group of Florida wide receivers. Florida will have to run the ball some, but the, the game won't be run. The game will be won on, on the arm and protection of Kyle Trask. Uh, as good as Auburn's defensive line is, still built more on stopping the run, allowing just three yards per carry without giving up more than 121 yards to anyone so far this season. And that's not to say uh, Auburn's not getting to the quarterback with 13 sacks on the year, but compared to their run-stopping capabilities, there'll be more chances to control Auburn's pass rush as long as the run game can at least be somewhat of a threat. And that's where Dan Mullen's play calling comes into play. This game is it. You know, this game is the uh, is the chance to try and make up for deficiencies on the offensive line. As I said in the last episode, you can only mask so much as the season goes on. This is a chance to catch Auburn off guard with some wrinkles they haven't seen yet this year uh, from this Florida offense. Is that getting Emory Jones involved more? Maybe, but I don't think you take Kyle Trask off if he starts hot again. Uh, is that getting the wide receivers more involved in the run game, using Piran out of the backfield more? There's going to be something we haven't seen in a while or something we haven't seen at all 
thrown out from Mullen in this game. He's gonna, he's gonna, I think he's going to throw the kitchen sink and, and see if he can help this offensive line out a, a, a bit. Another aspect we may see that we saw a bit more from Kyle Trask last week than in previous games is running a little more RPO uh, and moving the pocket. Those are aspects of an offense that can slow down this Auburn defensive line and I think were worked on versus Towson for a reason. Uh, the pass game is definitely thought to be a strategy to beat the Auburn pass rush, uh, the, the quick pass game. So, But with the struggles of the Florida run game, you have to think Auburn won't bring more defenders than they initially have to. Uh, you know, they'll drop their linebackers in the coverage uh, to make throwing lanes tighter for, for Trask. Uh, Trask is going to have to continue to throw catchable balls, let the wide receivers do some work. If Auburn starts creeping up those defensive backs up to stop the short passes, then it's on the wide receivers to help out beat press coverage. This could lead to some big plays, one-on-one situations that you have to win in games like this. And speaking of Trask, question, you know, how does he handle the magnitude of this game? He's passed some great tests so far in the rally versus Kentucky and then his first start versus Tennessee. So I think we can feel confident that the moment won't be too big for him. But I think it's worth noting that with everything surrounding this game, the tough game that it is just initially, homecoming, all eyes on Florida, he's handled pressure well so far. Just want to see how he handles it again. And not to be overlooked, close, tight game that we're all expecting. Special teams going to play a big part in this game. Townsend to pin Auburn deep, let the defense do its job. And I think Florida will, and I think Florida itself will be settling for a few field goals. So hopefully they get in that position, they could score touchdowns. But I do believe Florida can move the ball, may not convert all those into touchdowns, of course. So I'm looking at two, you know, at least two field goal attempts for McPherson that he needs to hit. Uh, interesting stat here that uh, Chris uh, uh, Falica, you know him as Bear on ESPN's College Game Day, provided an ass that on Twitter uh, that bodes well for Florida and Dan Mullen. In his last four games as a home underdog, Dan Mullen is 4-0 against the spread with three outright wins. The lone loss was a seven-point loss to number one Alabama as a 14-point underdog in 2017. Last year in Mullen's first year, the Gators won three of four games in which they entered as an underdog. So with that stat in mind, Mullen's creativeness on offense, Trask playing well, the defense getting key, play make, key playmakers back, and the Gators playing at home in what would be a crazy atmosphere, the Gators will upset Auburn 27-23. to 23. I think there's a, a defensive score or a turnover where the defense sets the offense up in great field position to steal a touchdown. And I still think the defense stays strong in the red zone, making Auburn set up for some field goals as well. Also, creative score, big play on offense along the way. This is one. It's going to be tough. The fan of me always has me taking Florida when I see the matchup being close to even in my mind. So 27-23, and I think the Gators walk out of the swamp with a victory. And I ask for some of you guys out there to send me your tweets and your expectations uh, for this game. So let me get a few in here. A lot of you, a lot of you, uh, thank you for so much for, for responding to the tweet and, and let me know how you think this game will play out. I wish I could read every one of them, but we'd be here forever. So <laughs> I picked uh, picked about 10 here that, that I'll share. Some of them kind of bleed into each other here, but uh, let's get straight to it. 
Blake Drury says uh, Gators passing game works early. Auburn adjusts and stops the run completely, but we have good runs in spurts. Auburn runs heavy early, has success leading at halftime, but a close game. Second half, Mullen pulls out his aces, and Florida takes a lead late third or early fourth quarter. So, kind of plays out the way the LSU game uh, last year. Expect maybe a you know, tough game. Uh, Florida doing what they need to do in the second half. If this game gets to the fourth quarter and it's a close game, you have to have some confidence in what we've seen so far from Dan Mullen, Miami game, Kentucky game, to be able to come out with something. The defense brings it. You know, they may struggle along the game at some point, but when when it's time, when it's when when everything is on the line, this defense has stepped up. And I think if it's a close fourth quarter game, I think we can feel pretty good about Florida's chances here. Uh, Kyle Trask for Heisman at UF Sports 24 underscore 7. He says, key to the game for me is our tackling. Worst situation for us would be to allow them to get up early and run it down our throats. I trust Trask to get those points, make the right reads in the passing game. Just can't become one-dimensional and forced to pass every play. So, like I said, I think that's where Mullen's creativity is going to come into play to help this run game get going. I, I do agree. Florida's not an air raid team. No matter how good the quarterback is, no matter how deep Florida is at receiver, just still not quite built that way. Of course, and you didn't, you're, you're not game planning that way. You didn't go into fall camp trying to be an air raid team. So I don't think you can just necessarily flip a switch there. But, you know, Kyle Trask, as I mentioned earlier, almost 80% completion percentage right now on the season. And you just, um, as I mentioned here, you know, the other side of the ball, yeah, I mentioned it too. Florida's got a tackle. You know, watching Auburn versus Mississippi State last week, Mississippi State didn't play physical enough. Auburn's going to come with some wildcat, and it's going to force you to tackle. And we know the, our Gators have struggled there uh, so far this year, and specifically the last game of Towson and the first game of the season with Miami. So you get some key guys back, some key guys that I think are some pretty good tacklers there in Sean Davis, maybe even being the last line of defense sometimes, though. You know, you, you got to make the tackles, and there's going to be plenty of chances with the way Auburn spreads you out for one-on-one, man-to-man tackling. you got to get the job done. At CLT Gator says, I think our defense will be the fastest and strongest Knicks will have, will, will have seen so far this year and will end up disrupting Knicks. He does not throw a great ball, and I see our DB taking advantage of that with a couple of interceptions. Our offense would do enough. To take advantage, and there we go. That kind of where I was going to uh, earlier on is Florida's defense getting to Bo Nix, creating some turnovers, and, and setting up this Florida offense in, in great field position. And uh, Florida's been able to do that too with, with getting turnovers, turning them uh, in, into points there this year. So you got to keep that going. But yeah, Nix. I mean, like I said, I think way too much is being taken from the way he performed versus Mississippi State, and I'm not. Re- and I hate doing that. Not trying to take anything away from from what he did. He deserves full credit. That Auburn offense deserves full credit for what they did versus Mississippi State. But you can't forget everything that happened before that and automatically say they fixed all their issues. Now, they come out and and do this against Florida, then you can say that. It's two weeks in a row, but one data point, one sample size of what the the previous games doesn't mean that. So you got to see it again. I don't think it happens. I think he can play good. I don't see this big, gigantic performance that we saw last week from this uh, Auburn offense. 
uh, Rafa, 725 Rafa, says, uh, I think Auburn is going to rush four, counting our offensive line is not going to uh, run block very well. Clamping down, clamping down on the pass, which is, uh, which we actually do well. We need to run semi-okay in order not to be obvious passing situations. So yeah, I think so. You can definitely help Kyle Trask out there. Of of, but he's done well. Even when Florida runs the ball on first down and and gets two yards and it's second eight, second and seven, Kyle Trask has still done a pretty good job of getting either converting that second down or getting in third and short. But uh, yeah, you know Florida can do, can do better there. I think they're fifty percent. I think I remember seeing that that just popped in my head, but I believe Florida's right at 50% in converting third downs this year. So, you know, got to get got to get in third and short uh, as well. But I do agree with you there that Auburn's only going to rush, you know, three four guys. Uh, they don't they don't they're not going to bring pressure until I think they absolutely have to. Uh, but you know, they could see maybe a chance to to pressure Kyle Trask and, and try and get some turnovers there. We know Trask's pocket awareness is not at its best right now. Uh, so they may bring pressure just to try and create a turnover by hitting Trask, and we've seen him fumble uh, in those situations a couple of times. So for Trask, it is about getting the ball out. And if you do get hit, well, you're going to get hit. When you get hit, when you get sacked, hold on to the ball because I can see where you know Florida may be deep in their own territory starting a drive, and Auburn with the way Trask is, you know, kind of being careless with the ball when he gets hit. Auburn maybe sees an opportunity there to get some good field position, and they may bring the pressure, hit Trask, try and create another fumble that we've seen, and set themselves up in good in good spots. So, with the way you know Trask is is fumbling the ball, it's imperative that he get the ball out. But when you do get hit, take care of it. Uh, Gatorade at uh, D three six two three six one two one. There we go. So uh, long uh, Twitter. Uh, Numbers there for the, for the name. He says, Trask begging the ball around with quick intermediate passes, maybe a few deep, a few times on a rollout, enough plays to keep defenses guessing. Defense, we got to watch Schwartz on jet sweeps and Nick's contained in the pocket. Yeah, hit on most of that too, but yeah, definitely agree on, on rolling Trask out and, and getting him away from this Auburn defensive line. Also, may help in the previous point I made about him getting hit, fumbling the ball. If you roll the pocket out, maybe not getting hit as much and, you know, limiting chances for turnovers. Uh, Gleager says, uh, expect to see a different look than we've seen all season. Lots of screens and swing passes uh, to relieve the offensive line and see more quarterback runs comparable to the comparable to the Michigan game where we suddenly saw some tunnel screens and playmakers making plays. Yeah, it just goes back to the point of I, I do think, I don't want to say Mullen was sandbagging these first five games, but learning what your team is made of, learning what your team is about, seeing this offensive line struggle, come up with some creative ways to help those guys out. So, yeah, I do think you will see screens. You'll see some swing passes. Um, we'll see, you know, uh, Emory Jones, I think, open up this this run game a bit. I still think there's a chance here now. With what we've seen from him the last couple of weeks, they're still kind of – I don't necessarily want to necessarily call it a trick play, but something where you catch Auburn off guard with something he does, whether it be uh, rocker step and and play action deep deep shot down the field, much like we saw against Georgia and when he threw the, when he threw the deep pass to Van Jefferson last year. So you know things to look forward to there when Emory Jones is on the field. I think Mullen gets creative with him more so than everywhere else uh, uh, whenever when the game is kind of just in its normal phase. Uh, Brent Lee, we'll get a last, last couple thoughts here. 
Brent Lee says, I expect a big game from Trask. Auburn's pass defense ranked 94th. Reasons Auburn's defense played great so far was because of their rush defense and defensive lines and linebackers pressuring the quarterback. If Trask reads quick, reads faster uh, than the defensive line is coming, will score 21 or more points. Jesse Scherber says, I expect a lot more Emory using his legs to open up some run game. I noticed during the Auburn-Mississippi State game, only real positive gain State has was running the zone read. So, yeah, I mean, it, I do expect to help this offensive line out. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of the speed option that Franks and P. Ryan would run. Uh, not necessarily sure Kyle Trask can do that. Uh, maybe keeping it under wraps a couple times. I think he can probably – going back to fall camp, did see all the quarterbacks working on that particular play with the running backs. So it, it's in there. Kyle Trask knows how to run it. Uh, but in game situations, how often do we see him? you got to protect him as well. You're on your backup quarterback right now, so you don't want to be running, more, running him more times than you absolutely need to, but you still have to win a game. You still have to win a game. I, I, I'm not a big believer in, in coaching scared. I mean, look, Felipe Franks got hurt on um, just a normal drop-back passing play and him trying to make a move. It wasn't a design run or anything like that. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, uh, you just got to play the game sometimes. You just got to play the game. And Andre Whitfield says 27-17 Florida would get after Knicks, force a couple of turnovers, and produce some short fills for the offense. Offensively, we move it good enough to win. Kyle Pitts with three touchdowns. And Lance Carlton says, I expect to see a very good game, as it always seems to be with these two teams. I would expect to finally see what kind of team we really are, but I wouldn't throw the whole playbook at this one with LSU and Georgia coming up. It'll be more of a fight of wills, 27-24, Florida. Uh one thing about that is, I think if you have to throw the whole playbook to win this game, you do it. You got to get out with a got to get out with a W uh, there. They'll have some wrinkles as the season moves along as well, but you win this game any way possible. All right. So before we sign off here on this episode, let's take a look around what's going on in the SEC uh, slate. Not a big slate this week in the conference. Uh, Utah and LSU a week before. The Gators travel to Baton Rouge and take on the Tigers next Saturday night. Utah State and LSU, that game is at noon. Of course, we know Auburn, Florida, 3.30 on CBS. 4 o'clock, Troy and Missouri. And at 7 o'clock, Georgia, Tennessee. Um, see how Georgia responds after their Notre Dame game in a bye week. And Tennessee had a bye week as well. Can they get anything going uh, after the loss to Florida? Then at 7.30, Vanderbilt and Ole Miss round out what's happening in the SEC. And then uh, another game of note, Virginia Tech at Miami. So uh, how do the Canes respond after a, a close victory over Jim McElwain a couple weeks ago and Virginia Tech trying to figure some things out as well. So big game. We're all excited for this Big homecoming matchup, top 10 game uh, versus Auburn. Thank you guys for all the listens this week. Uh, Gators Breakdown's been out there, and uh, thanks to all you guys to, and girls out there just for, for listening, keeping the listens up. Uh, enjoy doing this podcast, and especially for big weeks, big games like this, it uh, doesn't get any better. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode 
of Gators Breakdown.